right. Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here with us on this cold, cold day. My iPad's not working, so it's going to be a really short sermon. So there we go. All right. Uh, so we are in this series, Best Laid Plans, and we're going to take a little bit of a detour today, although it still fits in the theme. Uh, this week is Thanksgiving, which is one of my favorite holidays. Uh, I love it. I love the, the idea behind it. The only thing I don't like about Thanksgiving is turkey. Um, I want to make a petition that brisket should become the official meat of Thanksgiving and not turkey. Uh, it, it, that's my whole thing. So anyway, uh, so we're so glad you guys are here with us if you're watching online or in person. Uh, obviously, there's a lot going on today, a lot of moving parts. We're collecting all of our food bags today, our coats, Operation Christmas Child. You still have some more time and all that. Uh, but if you want to know more about those things that we're doing right now, just stop by the welcome desk and they'll be happy to help you in those things. We also still need some Christmas trees. Grinchmas is coming up and that's a huge event for us. Uh, I don't know if they said in the announcement video or not, I wasn't in here, but we need volunteers for that. And so make sure and stop by and, and come to that event as well. Tickets go on sale or they're free, but go available on the 25th. Now, it's Thanksgiving week, but I want to tell you guys as we start off one thing that just completely drives me crazy. And this is me venting a little bit, and, and if I'm wrong, you can tell me later that I'm wrong for feeling this way. And I know I shouldn't be this petty, um, but I have a feeling this is going to be more universal um, than I realize. And so one of the things that drives me crazy is when you do something for someone, and something nice, something unexpected, or maybe you kind of go out of your way to do something for someone, to help someone, um, and you do something for somebody and they don't seem grateful for it. You ever been there? And so we at the church obviously help a lot of people, and I've helped a lot of people along uh, the journey of, of my life, and it just drives me crazy. Now, sometimes it, I know they're grateful, they just don't acknowledge it. You know, you ever done something for somebody, and, you know, it's not that they're ungrateful, but they just don't ever acknowledge it, they don't ever say anything to you. Um, and so that just kind of drives me crazy, or, you know, and to be honest with you, I've done this. Like, I'm sure there's probably somebody in this room be like, that one time I did something for you, and you'd say, thank you. I'm sorry. I really am. I'm sorry I didn't acknowledge it. But then there's a whole another, another level to it. Have you ever done something for somebody, gone out of your way, done something unexpected, done something nice, and, and their attitude is it's almost like they expected you to do it, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like they were owed it. Like, they, 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 no, of course you're going to do this for me. And, and so there's something about us that just drives us crazy. Now, let's be honest, okay, because it's church, so we have to say this, okay? We don't do it for the thank you or the gratitude, right? We do it because it's the right thing to do, right? Okay. Now, but let's be honest. We really want that thank you, don't we? Like, we really want them. So I was, I was thinking about what we're talking about this week, and I was thinking about that, and... Then it got me thinking, because that's something that drives me crazy. It sets me off. And then I got to thinking, like, and I can't speak for everybody, but I'll speak for myself. Like, I wonder if God feels that way sometimes about me. Like, the, the, so much that he's done for me, so much that he's given me, so much in my life. I mean, I can't even list all of the things that I have to be grateful for. And yet sometimes there's just this attitude I have that, that I don't acknowledge it or I'm ungrateful for it. I mean, we're odd little creatures as humans. We are deeply complicated and fractured and interesting clods of dirt and clay and water and air. I mean, we, we, we're, we're so simple, but we're so complex. 
And then we think about like this week and everything that it represents and Thanksgiving and this time where our, our nation takes a week and it's become even bigger than just our nation where we, we take time to remember all that we've been given and be thankful for. And it's true, not just as the church body, but as individuals, we've been given so much, so much love, so many gifts, so much grace. There's this great quote, I've used it before, but it's one of my favorite quotes. There's a few quotes that just stick with me, and I have them on my phone, and I have them in different places, but this comes from Thomas Merton, and he says this. He says, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is of grace, for it brings with it immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted is never unresponsive, is constantly awakening to the new wonder and to the praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. My wife is one of the most um, kind, compassionate, sweet people you'll ever meet. Uh, She really is. And uh, my wife, we have this thing in our living room. Uh, some of you guys put your Christmas trees up early because you're, you, you shouldn't, but you do. Um, it's, you don't put up a Christmas tree till after Thanksgiving. That's the rule. Uh, it should be in legislature right now. So, um, but you don't. But we do this one thing at our house. We have what we call a Thanksgiving tree. And really, it's just an excuse to put the Christmas tree up early. Uh, but what we do is we don't decorate it for Christmas. We put things on it that look Thanksgiving-y. But then we have these little... Um, chalkboards my wife has put on it and we go through throughout this week and we write on these little chalkboards things that we're thankful for things that we're grateful for and it's like this daily reminder when we see the tree of all that we've been given and everything that we should be grateful for now when it comes to what we've been given the bible makes it really clear where all this comes from and in fact in james chapter one it says this every good and perfect gift is from the father above coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And so this idea is that everything that we have has been given to us. Everything that we experience is a gift coming down from God. And God is consistent in this. God takes care of us. God gives us gift. And he's not like, and I love this language, he's not like the shifting shadows. He's not like the changing things of this earth. He's not like the changing circumstances of our lives. No, God is consistent. And my hope is that we always remember that, that everything we've been given is a gift. The the other thing is that for us as Christians, uh, we have this belief that there is a God, a holy God who created and sustains everything, and this God wants a relationship with you. And he has gone to the extreme of giving of himself. So, So we talk about going out of our way, even if it's a little bit inconvenient, to help somebody. And yet we have this example of Jesus who who comes down and lives this life of sacrifice, even to the point of sacrificing himself on the cross. There's this great language that Paul gives us in Philippians. He says that Jesus emptied himself of himself, that that legitimately he, he, he takes apart his own will and desire and sets it aside to do what he needed to do here on earth for you and for me. And so if we believe that that is true, then what a blessing we have even in that, 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 that God takes care of us even to that level. And, and so when we think about our lives, when we think about the love and the blessings we've been given, and we think about even the materialistic things that we'll talk about here in a minute that we've been given, and we think about all of that, the question is, why are we so ungrateful? 
Why are we so ungrateful, so prone to forget all that we've been given? I mean, the reality is, is we live in one of the richest countries that's ever existed, with the most liberties and freedoms, including religion, and we think that religion's under attack here in America. I can promise you, compared to most of the world, we're doing pretty good. It's not just where we were born, it's when we were born. I mean, think about all of the opportunities that we now have because of when we were born, the time in which we were born, that previous generations just didn't have. So the question is, why are we so angry sometimes? Why are we so unappreciative? The Bible has this kind of language that kind of goes throughout it, and, and it's this idea of the, that we as people are prone to forget. And this is true. This is true of all of us. It's true of me. It's true of you. We are prone to forget. And the Bible, there's like this language that all the time, especially if you read the Old Testament, even in the New, like it, these people will say these things about God, but it has to remind them of everything God has done before. And so it'll say like the God of, and it'll list the people that he was the God of. And then you can kind of remember, oh yeah, he was the God of that. And he did that. And he provided for that. Or it'll say things like the God who, and then it'll list all of the things that God does because we are prone to forget. And we're not the first ones. It's this condition we have as human beings that we forget. We forget all of the things that we've been given. We forget all of the blessings that we have. And it makes sense because let's be honest, sometimes when we face things in life, whether it's pain or heartache or a season that we're in, or, or maybe it's like this, this time of year, right? Where we're told constantly over and over and over again, all of the things that we don't have, Right? We get catalogs. This is from the devil. We get catalogs in our mail that our kids see and they just go crazy over. And our kids have so much stuff, we just have to give stuff away all the time. And yet they get these catalogs, even as children of things that they wish that they could have. And so whenever we go through hard things, or even when we're in a season where we want something, it's like the blinders go on and all we can see is that. And we forget everything else that we already have. All we can see is what's right in front of us, what we need in this moment, what we want in this moment, and we forget all of the things that we have to celebrate. We forget all of the things that we have every single day. Paul writes this letter to this church in Thessalonica, and, and in it, he's reminding them, and these people are going through some hard things, so it, it makes sense that, that their world would kind of shrink down um, to, to what they're going through. And then he, he says this, and it almost seems when you understand what the people of Thessalonica are going through, especially the Christians, it almost seems insensitive what he's about to say. But here's what he says. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So for a lot of us, the reason we come to church is because we want to know what God's will is. Well, Paul tells us, he says, if you want to know what God's will is for you, he says to be joyful, to never stop praying, which is, listen, I know like in religious world, like we're like, never stop praying. What this means is never stop being in communion with God. Never, never stop this kind of condition. So it doesn't mean you pray all the time and cause a car wreck or anything like that. Like it's just, you never stop. And then be thankful in all circumstances. Now, there's a really important part here that we need to be honest because we have to understand our condition. He doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. 
Nobody in here is thankful for cancer. No one in here is thankful that they left. No one in here is thankful for being passed over at work. No one is thankful in here for the financial hardships that some of us face. No one in here is thankful for the complicated relationships that sometimes we have or the family member that's on hard times and seems to be taking it out on everybody else. He doesn't say to be thankful for those things. He says we have to learn to be thankful in those things. And part of the key of being thankful even in those things is to remember everything else you have to be thankful for. That even though I'm facing this right now and I'm going through this right now, I can't forget all of the other things that I have to be thankful for. Now, we all want, when we think about Christianity, we think about our faith, we want the mountaintop experience. We want it to be great all the time. But the reality is, it's just not. There's this famous verse that, that often read at, at funerals, but this verse, I think we do it disjustice by just using it in those circumstances. And it's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's Psalm 23. And it says, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you, you know that. Now, there's some keys there. Um, what it tells us is, as I walk through so as I walk through these hard things, as I walk through this season where maybe I don't feel very grateful, as I walk through this season where it's hard, what it doesn't say is that as you lay down there. No, the next verse is going to tell us where we lay, and that's in the green pastures, because that's what God wants for us. It's just like this acknowledgement that you're going to walk through hard things, but that there's something on the other side of those things. There's something to be grateful for. The other thing that that verse tells us is that he walks with us. He walks with us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And for that, we have to be grateful. What we have to learn as people is that because of everything that we've been given, gratitude has to become central to the life that we live. So many of us, the reason that we get robbed of our gratitude is because we talked about in the first week, we see what other people have. And we compare and contrast ourselves to others. And until we can center ourselves on what we do have, on what God has given us, on the life that we get to live. Like, this is your life. This is the life you get to live. And until you can center yourself on that and the possibilities that exist for you, not for somebody else, the possibilities that exist for you you'll constantly be looking for another life. One of the keys to gratitude in life is that we have to decide that we will spend, we will not spend any energy speculating about how your life compares to somebody else's. Can't do it. We rob ourselves of immeasurable joy when we compare what we do and can know about ourselves with what we can or want to know about someone else. We rob ourselves of that joy, of what we can do and what we can experience and what God has given us. And so we have to remember all that we. Now, when I say we, I'm talking to a crowd, so I use we. What I want to say is that you have been given. We have to learn to remember and focus. That's why remember occurs over and over and over again. Now, one of the things that I've learned when I find myself in a season of gratefulness is that when I understand all that I've been given, that comes with a great responsibility. 
the gift that we've been given by God, not only of this life, not only of all the material things and the resources and all opportunity and all that stuff we're going to talk about that we've been given, but even the grace and the love and the mercy that's been given to us, when we realize all that we've been given, there comes a responsibility with that. Our responsibility to be kind to each other. See, we've, we've been given kindness, and so our responsibility now is to offer that to other people. And I say that because this week, some of us are going to be forced to sit at tables with people we don't like very much. We love them because we say that, and we have to say that, but sometimes we don't like them. It comes with a responsibility to respect each other, right? To, to understand all that you've been given and the respect that God has shown you and that people have shown you over the years. Like, we, we have to respect each other. I want to say this before you find yourself at a table this week and politics comes up or college football comes up or anything else that, that could cause some issues. Character is not about how you treat the people who think and believe like you. It's easy to be nice to people that believe the same things you believe and think the same things you think. It's so easy. The character of Christ is how we treat people who we profoundly disagree with. So as naive as it may sound, it's just a gentle reminder that, that I was taught and believed that all people have value and worth because they were created in the image of God. Regardless of what football team they cheer for, regardless of what side of the aisle when it comes to politics they land on, because they're my neighbor. And Jesus taught us our responsibility to love our neighbor. The other thing that comes out of generosity is the realization that we've been given so much. And so what will we offer? The reality is true. You came into this world with nothing and you will leave with nothing. Everything in the middle is temporary. It's a gift. And as we think about all that we have to be grateful for, we never forget that it's not about what you've been given, it's about what you do with what you've been given. So as we learn to be grateful and hopefully have a season of gratefulness, I want to give you some practices. See, see it's one thing, it's one thing, and this is where we fall, it's one thing to think about being grateful. And it's one thing that we take one day a year where we decide to be thankful. Oh, we're so, we're so good, aren't we, Right? one day. So what I want to do instead of just thinking about it or just taking one day, what does it look like to practice it? So here's some handles for you. The first thing I think that we ought to observe whenever it comes to learning to be grateful and live a life of gratitude is to learn to be aware. Awareness has fallen on hard times. One's ability to be aware and present is waning. There are a million things grabbing at your attention in our world today, right? A million things. And it doesn't help that all of us right now have a thing in our pocket or in our purse where we can get on and be distracted like that. The other night, I thought Twitter was really going to shut down, and I about had an existential crisis. Facebook could shut down in two seconds, and I wouldn't care at all. But Twitter, I love, all right? There's a million things grabbing in our attention. Thanks to technology, we can take in more things than ever. We also can miss more things than ever. You ever been somewhere and, and people are talking and, 
and having a good time. And, and I've done this, so don't think that I'm guilting you because I'm as guilty as anybody. And you, you look around, and there's just a group of people on their phones. We have distanced ourselves, and sometimes we're not present. Sometimes because we're so distracted by everything else, we're not aware of what's actually going on right in our midst. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you truly paid attention to anything, right? When was the last time you sat and watched a sunset? When was the last time you were actually talking to someone and you actually had a real conversation and were fully engaged and were not waiting for your time to talk or for them to give you a moment of silence so you could check out Instagram or Facebook or your email? Our attention and our awareness. As we practice being thankful, perhaps the first thing we can do is practice presence. One of the challenges is this, to take one night this week or one day if you have time and just be present, fully present and paying attention. I think one of the reasons that we're not grateful sometimes is we're not present to see all that we have to be grateful for. We're so distracted. And so take one night and walk around your house or apartment or wherever you are and just take in all that you've been given. Be fully present. You ever, spent a, you ever spend a day or a part of a day with your kids or your family or some friends and you put your phone down, you turned it off, turned off the TV, and you just spent time together and were fully present? You ever done that? And you know what's amazing is, is that day comes to an end. Do you know what you always say? That was the best day, Right? And see, sometimes what happens is when we distract ourselves so much that when we spend time being fully present, we quickly discover how much of the rest of our lives we weren't because we missed it. But when you're fully present and aware of everything that you have to be grateful for, the relationships, the love, all of those things, I tell you, you're going to find yourself saying thank you in the most involuntary ways. So we have to be aware, and part of aware is becoming present. The second one is memory. Let's be honest, our life has become so routine that we just forget sometimes to be grateful. We take for granted everything that we have. This is why one of the most common commands, again, as I've said in the Bible, is to remember, because humans have proven that we are skilled at forgetting. We quickly forget all of the good that exists before the pain and the suffering or the hardship enters our lives. We forget all of the years of good health and healthy relationships the moment someone hurts us. Likewise, we forget all that we've been given when we identify something we want. Isn't it interesting that on Thanksgiving is a day where we sit around and are thankful for everything and we talk about it and we share all the things we're thankful for, followed by Black Friday and Cyber Monday. <laughs> Think about that. Maybe we need to learn to be practice being thankful. We need to remember. So here's another homework assignment for you. So the first one is to be present and be aware. Sometime this weekend, I know most of you aren't going to do it, and that's fine, but, but, but here's the next one. Um, so we have these phones that we carry with us everywhere, and, and we're constantly taking pictures. So, so here's the challenge, okay? Take your phone out one day 
And every single time that something appears or comes up that you have to be grateful for, take a picture of it. Starting with your hot water heater, right? <laughs> Starting with your coffee machine. Every, I mean, literally. Every, and it's like, you're like, well, that's going to be weird. No, listen, people take pictures all the time of the weirdest things. Nobody's even going to notice that you're doing it, I promise. Just take a picture of everything that you have to be grateful for, just one day. And at the end of that day, scroll through those photos. You'll be amazed how much you actually have to be grateful for. You just have to remember sometimes. And so as we become aware and we remember, what do we have to become aware of and remember? Well, first of all, the resources. And when I say resources, this is a, a big category. But, but here, here's what I want to say, okay? And I'm not trying to guilt you. You are here in our climate-controlled, insulated building with running water and toilets. Did you drive a car to get here? Or multiple cars because one of you couldn't get up and get on, ready on time? Did you pull them out of your garage that is attached to your heated, stocked, and supplied house or apartment? Or you're watching this online right now on your phone or your smart TV? Are you deciding which restaurant you will eat at after church? Or which meal you'll prepare out of the fridge or freezer that keeps your food fresh and safe? Did you have a hard time deciding which outfit you wanted to wear today or which clothes you wanted to wear to keep you warm? Like, if that's the reality of your life, then most people throughout human history and a lot of people today would say, man, you're pretty lucky. You're, you're pretty blessed. From food, water, to shelter, we all have resources to be grateful for. And the Bible tells us, again, that all of this comes from God. The Bible tells us that he cares about our needs. He loves us and is for us. We have so much I could go into all of this much more, but do I really need to? Like, you know how much you have. I know how much I have. And so we need to learn to be gracious for all of that and show gratitude and thanksgiving for all of the resources that we've been given. Now, one of the things that I've learned, that I'm learning, I should say that because I'm still learning, is that there's an enemy of gratitude, and the enemy of gratitude is greed. Greed is the idea that everything that you've been given is for you. It's the idea of everything that you've been given is just for you. And, and we store up. There's this great story where, where Jesus, he's pretty harsh. He's like, you know, we store up and we save. And that's, you should have a savings account. You should have a plan. You should have retirement. It's not this. But we, he says, we store up all of these things in our barns. And our barns are overflowing. And he says, you fool, you're going to die tomorrow. And it's all going to be gone. Greed is this thing where we make it all about ourselves. But there is a companion of gratitude that helps you walk through life with a life that experiences gratitude. And others experience gratitude through you. It's not greed. It's another G word. It's generosity. My Bible college professors would be so pleased with me right now. All three G words. <laughs> greed is the enemy of gratitude. But its companion is generosity. See, when you are truly filled with gratitude, 
the natural thing is you want to be generous because you want other people to experience the goodness of life that you've experienced. Which leads me to my next one. So we have to learn that we've been given so many resources, but we also have to learn that we've been given opportunity. When you hear the word opportunity, depending on where you are in life, you may think of a new job, a new partnership, a new relationship, a new opportunity to make money. And while that may be part of it, I'd like to take a different approach when it comes to opportunity. See, what I believe when you live a life of gratitude, you become more aware of the opportunity to make a difference. We can all enjoy the opportunity no matter where we live. Every single day we wake up, there is opportunity in front of us. Opportunity to help someone. Opportunity even just a little bit to be there for somebody. Opportunity to be generous with the resources that you have that maybe somebody else is in desperate need of. Mother Teresa once said, not all of us can go on to do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And that can make all the difference. Did you know that every day when you wake up and when I wake up, we have the opportunity to make somebody else's world a little better? And it's not always through giving stuff. Like sometimes it's just being nice to somebody. Sometimes it's being generous to somebody, to being kind to somebody. And what's fascinating is this opportunity that we have to be nice and to be kind and to be generous and to be forgiving and to offer the grace to people that mess up so many times. I had somebody text me this week and just talk about how they're, they're struggling to, to like love people and be kind to people. And, uh, you know, I get it. People stink sometimes, don't they? But then I think about all that's been given to me and all the people that have been kind to me and all the people that have been patient with me. And when we do this, when we take the opportunities, whether it's our resources or just the resource of love and generosity and kindness and grace that we've been given, and we offer it to other people, we become more compassionate, empathetic, kind, humble, we become more like Jesus. Science has even shown that when you do this, when you take the opportunities in your life to be generous, that there's healing and redemptive factors in our bodies. I also believe that when we take the opportunities given to us, we are becoming the best version of ourselves. And when we become the best version of ourselves, we don't have any time to compare ourselves to other people in our life because we're doing something. The other reason I think that we should take our resources and our opportunity, and learn to live in awareness, and, and, and all of these things, is because when we do this, and I really believe this, when we are generous to others, we are truly learning to live in grace. The idea of grace, and we're going to talk more about this next week, grace says good things are given to us no matter who we are or what we've done. Now, one of the things I think the problem with grace is we become so used to hearing it in church, we forget how good it actually is. That you and me, as miserable human beings as we are, and you are, and so am I, that we have been given a gift. And because of that gift, we actually step into each day believing it can be better than the day before. We have been given a gift that is so scandalous and audacious 
And so when we choose to be generous to other people, not only with just our resources, but with our love and our grace and our mercy and giving them what we ourselves know we need desperately, we're learning to live in grace. We live in a world that teaches us we have to earn things or work hard to get what we want. Some of us have actually believed that we're entitled to these things. Entitlement believes good things are owed to us. Entitlement leaves very little room for grace. But what we have to remember is that everything we have is a gift. The breath you just took, it's a gift. The breath you're about to take, it's a gift. Do you have a regular habit of breathing? It's all a gift. Whatever has happened in your life, failure, pain, heartache, abuse, loss, and we've experienced all of those things, most of us, the first thing that can be said about you is that you received a gift. And that gift is the breath of life. That gift is grace. Grace that you got something you didn't deserve, you couldn't earn, but yet you have it. All that we have and have been given, regardless of what we have done to make ourselves believe or others believe that we deserve it, what I am learning is that everything is a gift and that grace stands silently behind it all, reminding us of the gift that we've been given. And if we can focus on that, then maybe we'll learn to say thank you just a little bit more. So... May you and I, during this Thanksgiving season, be aware of the good life that you've been given, remembering all that you've been given, and may we have eyes to see that everything is a gift. And if we can do that, and if we can be aware and be present and remember and understand the grace that's been given to us, I believe that it will become simpler and easier for us to just pray and remind ourselves of these simple yet profound words to God. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've given me. Let's pray.